Hello, fellow nerds. Check out our network site, nerdsloth.com. You can also connect with us on social media like the Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram. If you like what you hear, look for Nerdsloth on Patreon and consider donating to help us continue delivering quality shows straight to your ears. If you'd like to help the shows out for free, head over to iTunes and write a heartfelt review. I mean it. Make me cry happy tears. But seriously, though, anything you can do really helps us out and we love you for it. I'm Johnny C, and you're listening to Adrian Has Issues. Hey guys, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I am so excited to do today's episode. Uh, let's see, my guest, super awesome dude. It's funny, I actually have known him for, what, a year now, I think? It's been a year, because I met him, you know, it's funny, like a lot of my guests lately have been people I've known from the Creator Aftercon Network, and I'll, I will say the fact that so many of my guests have been coming from there I, you know, it's, it's been doing its job as far as getting creators together with uh, like-minded individuals, but he is a comic book artist and also a writer and is the creator of a comic called Dead Planet, which is pretty nuts. Um, I was reading that earlier today. Please welcome Sebastian Bonet. Sebastian, how's it going, man? What's up, brother? How you doing, Adrian? I'm doing good. I'm, and I'm so glad to catch up. And what I love about doing shows with people I've met before it's so much more fun because a lot of the preliminary stuff's out of the way. So it's a matter of just catching up with someone you really like as opposed to, you know, because it could be sort of awkward because you never know how the interview is going to go. But with us, it's like, obviously, we've been talking at great length, you know, whether it be on social networking or in person. So we're basically just picking up where we left off. And I'm always glad to be able to chat with you because this is a lot of fun. It's always a ball. We, we we always stay there talking, man. It's it's and like you said, to the creator network. It was just awesome, and that's it. Look, we blossomed into a beautiful friendship. <laughs> yeah, thinking back to when we first met at because that was what 2015, if I'm not mistaken. I'm starting to lose track of time. Yeah, it was 2015 New York Comic Con. That was very hard to get tickets for. <laughs> well, this one was even harder to get tickets for. Um, I don't know how you fared because it seems like every year they're trying their best to make tickets accessible, but yet. I find it harder now. Yeah, a lot of people I know were just um, what they did this year. What was it? I think they took away from third-party vendors. So I know a lot of people who were just like upset about that one. And it was like, yeah, I'm not going. But I don't know. I got my tickets quick this year. I was like, once they went on sale, boom, bam, done. And I was able to get them. But I should have went in there with a better plan to help other people try to get their tickets. Because we figured it out once we got off the line. Like, damn, we should have done this. <laughs> You didn't really know what to do because this was the year they did like the whole fan verification, and then it's like they sent you like a like almost like a private link to buy tickets. I think that failed big time the fan verification because I assumed you were going to verify your tickets once at the day of the sale, right? But they were like, "Oh no, you get your tickets now, but you verify the day after." I'm like. That, to me, did not make sense. I'm like, but then what was the whole process of making people go through fan verification? This is still allowing the scalpers to get a bunch of tickets, and you just, okay, if you're fan verified, give us your fan verification. I don't know if you noticed or not, because when I did the fan verification thing, which is funny, I still got shut out, um, I didn't realize that the things that they were asking in terms of verification were pretty much exactly the same as what used to just be a, a survey at the end of the ticket process because it's like okay you bought your tickets tell us about yourself you know the whole yeah. thing about what are you here for what are you more excited to see so i think maybe it was the same survey but this time now it became mandatory so i don't know i mean i try not to crap on it too much but it's a very weird system this year and i feel like a lot of people got shut out yeah and i get what they're trying to do trust me i do on a business standpoint it's understandable i mean obviously it's not going to be a perfect system that's something that people need to understand because when you're dealing with millions of millions of people like that and you got to get the bid it's understandable but at the same time as a fan who wants to go and enjoy itself i can understand the burden as a fan i mean i've had i've heard horror stories like a friend of mine's because um what was it one character in his email was wrong he lost his whole ticket he tried to call him to change it, and he said they just told him, well, oh, well, you can't get your ticket. I'm like, to me, 
you know, this is some per- a person who went through the process. You should have a process to help them if something was wrong. Right. But again, like I said, I get it from a business standpoint. Not going to crap on them for that because again, they do an awesome event every year. They try, and it's it's just tough when you do a big events like that. It really is. Yeah. One thing I did like though was the fact that a lot of the major panels were actually done off site. So it kept a lot of the, like the crowd down. Cause you know, people will line up for, let's say a seven o'clock panel, like hours in advance. So it kind of makes for it very difficult to get around. Yeah. But that was pretty cool. That's what they're doing. They're, you know, trying to stretch out the event. They're using New York, which to me is kind of smart. And in a way it's just, it is giving access to more stuff and you're right. Like, not everybody's going to want to travel to the Hammerstein Ballroom for a panel, but you know what? Hammerstein Ballroom, there's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize they were even doing panels at Madison Square Garden, which is also nuts. <laughs> and people like us were fortunate because, I mean, I'm, you know, from New Jersey, you know, living in Long Island, and you're also a New York guy. So getting to these places, not the most difficult thing in the world but then you also forget that people are traveling you know possibly like across the country and you know one guest i just had on a couple episodes ago she traveled from ireland to come to comic-con so it's that much more intense for them because that could be a make or break oh yeah my whole advice to anybody if you're traveling from outside the states coming in have friends over here learn the lay of the land it's because new york can also i can understand people coming in from out of state it can be intimidating i've had a lot of friends come from out of state but it is a great city and there's a lot of great sites to see and great food <laughs> i'm a big brewery guy so new york for me is just the breweries which can i just tell you and i say this i, I guess from friend to friend that i hate you because you know you're a big brewery guy and like your instagram you've always got some new beer and meanwhile <laughs> i'm sitting there thirsty as hell both figuratively and literally looking at your feed just seeing all these great beers that you have and i'm like damn i need to get in on this it's comics, beer, and wings. That's it. Comics, beer, and wings. <laughs> and, oh, my God, like, like, are there any three greater things in the world? Well, okay, maybe a few things, but that's a completely different podcast. Um, <laughs> but, like, oh, man. So let's get into your backstory a little bit because, naturally, you're from New York, right, Native? Or um, did you move to New York? No, born and raised um, for all my life. Um, grew up in the Bronx. Uh, been, damn, been in New York all my life. I, I haven't really traveled like to different states. I've been to California, but um, I lived in the Bronx for pretty much most of my life. Lived in Brooklyn for three years, moved back to the Bronx. Um, and I don't know, I've just been a jack of all trades um, and just got back into um, the last few years into um, art. So it's been it's been pretty fun road, man. Okay, so I have to ask you, because this is something that came up on um, Jamal Patterson and Dennis Knight were at AfterCon. This was, I think, Friday of the event. Um, we had gotten to this discussion because, you know, they're talking about the whole Brooklyn Bronx beef. So as someone who lived in both areas, does that beef still exist? Um, it still does. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it's a funny little beef as you get older, but... I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of glad that gentrification has not come to the Bronx. So I'm not going to get into that topic because I feel like Brooklyn, it's beautiful, but the rent is just too much. It's just, to me, it's ridiculous. But I love that. I love when in my time living out in Brooklyn, I had I had a real beautiful apartment. I mean, that's where, I, you know, everything started it was in my Brooklyn apartment getting back on this road to comics. So... That's why I give the shout-out to Brooklyn. My creativity fueled from there. <laughs> nice. Now, that's actually interesting you say back into comics. So, you know, that almost alludes to the fact that you had started for a while and then maybe went on to something else for a little bit. Well, just to go dig deeper into my backstory, literally, I had walked away from even trying to pursue a career in comics because at the time, I didn't know a lot about conventions and everything. This is when I was like a 19, 20-year-old um, kid. I'm 34 now. What was happening at the time, I did, there was a lot of people that were just like hammering, like, you're not going to make money in this. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. Oh, don't get into illustration. Do architecture, which I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. People were just crapping on you left and right. And, you know, there really wasn't any support system like there is now, which is lucky for younger people. Like, yo, you got the support system. I'll take advantage of it. But at the time, it's like, you know, going to a school that was supposed to be an art school turned into a charter school and they pulled the art degree away from you. Oh, going no. to a college that you know, NYIT, I, know, I can't speak for it now. Back then, it really sucked as an art school, the Manhattan campus. And it was just like, you know, they were more focused on pulling student loans from you and everything. And it's just, at the time, it just, I ended up going into sales. And that's what I've been doing since. 
because it's like it just became too much of a financial burden. But I got to give a shout out to Scott Barnett. He actually, it was uh, my first Comic-Con when I met him um, for the first time. I met Jeff Marzik a year later. And it was just that conversation I had with Scott that just really, you know, I was already dabbling with like, you know, okay, I'm collecting comic books again. I'm getting back into the field. Like, um, I missed this stuff. I missed everything. And then just with talking with Scott about art and all that, it just, you know, I'm like, you know, I really did pursue the wrong career. Everything I knew now, I wish I knew back then. And it would have been a different career path. And then from there, it spiraled with meeting more people, you obviously, and everyone who I've met through CreatorCon. So it's just been, it's just been a pretty, it's been a hard road, but it's been a pretty fun road because it's just all been a learning experience, not a failure. From the moment I could read, you know, my dad, I put a comic in my hand. It's from my first one. I never put him down. And for a very long time, even I wanted to get into creating comics. And, you know, people have said to me, it's like, oh, you, you know, you draw really well. I didn't draw very well. My art sucked. I always just like writing stories more than I did drawing. But let's be real, though, for a lot of kids, you know, especially for those who are like, let's say, you know, black or Hispanic, you know, no one really talked about art or even the arts in general just were something that, you know, not a lot of people talked about because it's like, all right, either you played sports or, you know. (laughs) I remember this teacher. um, We thought this teacher was cool. I mean, he was one of our high school art teachers. I mean, he had gotten to take us to a trip to Marvel and I remember just, I mean, to this day, I'm still learning how to put together a portfolio, which I should learn more, but I'm, I'm learning more as I speak to other artists, which I, I'm going to say all to you, all the people out there, don't hesitate to talk to artists. Just don't, you know, take the, take it as constructive criticism, never take anything personal, because again, that's something they don't, they don't teach you. You just have to learn to take that criticism. But um, getting back to the point, it was this teacher that I thought he was cool. A lot of us did. And you know, he started a comic book club for us for a little while. Like we were supposed to do a comic for the school that fell through. Like, and and this guy just, you know, never delivered. It's like, he'll bring our hopes up and drop them down. Like, oh, we can't do this. We can't do that, but we'll do this. But then we thought he had a Marvel connection at one point because he took us on a trip to Marvel, class trip to Marvel. I actually got to see pencils of, um, I believe it was for... The Age of Apocalypse storylines, we actually got to see some of, um, you know, new sketchwork and all that that was coming out. Oh, that's crazy. It was freaking awesome. So here I am, freshman in college. He's telling us, oh, you know, send me some of your artwork. And what we'll do is, that uh, you know, I'll get you an internship. I have a hook up there. So it was for us literally that, you know, oh, cool. Awesome. We, we're looking for an internship there because, um, you know, we're in college. Let me get an internship. Let's let's do this, man. I want to learn more about the business. Come to find out a few years later, he's selling student artwork on eBay. No, are you kidding me? No, dude, it was, I found this out from, at the time I had bumped into an old um, high school, um, I'm going to use the word chum. (laughs) (laughs) No, go ahead. I actually said that same word today, so don't worry about it. (laughs) We're going to chum it up today. (laughs) But um, no, I had bumped. This guy was working for the border bed and he was the type of person you would have never think to work for the border because he was just like, he was a smart dude. But at the same time, he was just very anti-school because he never got along with the teachers. And Lord behold, he's working for the border. And he was cool dude. Um, Keenan, he was awesome dude. Funny, always made me laugh. And I remember finding out from him, he was like, no, he's like, um, when, he was like, that teacher got caught selling student art on eBay. I was like, this mother, I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, that's a shame. And I, I kick myself because it's like, it was so hard for a very long time, you know, for people to really sort of break into comics and things like that. And, you know, now where, you know, there are plenty of people who are self-publishing or getting into comics that wouldn't have originally. And you're saying to yourself, it's like, it's still a good time now because I think we're still at a decent age where it's like, okay, it's definitely not too late. And there's still plenty of work that can be done. I think it's also too with the crowd, because if you notice... Everybody, and, and honestly, you know, I'm glad with all the um, criticism I get from people and everything, because like I said, you don't take constructive criticism negatively because it, it's a way to better yourself. It's a way to to make yourself better. And people are going to offer you those opinions because the community we we have through the creative con, through meeting the guys at Embion, I'm going to give um, Eric Hutch and um, the family, um, Tom and uh, Lawrence and Will, a big shout out. Even when I met Javier, I mean, it's been constructive criticism because generally there's a lot of people that do want to see you do well. And that's the vibe I get from a lot of people. A lot of people who I feel that who I meet that don't give me that positive vibe. I mean, you don't see them too much anymore. They just end up fizzling out. 
And it was right what they said at CreatorCon. Like, it is a small community, and people want to work with the best, but also, too, it's your personality people buy into. Absolutely. It's like this. Come on. If I was a dull stick in the mud, I mean, I wouldn't want to deal with myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I... That's something that is great that you mentioned in Beyond because they're another group to Eric Hutchinson. Eileen and I both had met him. I think it was that was I believe it was special edition. With each day, I've been hearing more and more stories about you know let's say like the major publishers and yet, but yet the indie scene is really growing. It's still growing, and not for nothing. Like you said, like you know you're with people who want to see you do better, and it's like why wouldn't they? Because it only in turn a helps the scene and also helps them. It's like why wouldn't we want to make this a positive scene? And it's like this, like what I loved about the indie scene, because, um, again, I think a lot of people and who would turn down a job for Marvel and DC? Let's be real. If you get a job from Marvel and DC, you're going to take it because it's good publicity. But um, the indie scene itself, I feel like McFarlane, what he said was that when he worked for Marvel, he didn't have too much creative control with, with Spider-Man and tried that. But until he went to like Image, which is kind of like to me is probably one of the biggest. I'll still consider them an indie publisher, one of the best ones that has been around for a very, very long time, helping you know still artists. Um, that's where he got his creative control was with doing Spawn. But even now, like you have Embion, you have what is it? Um, damn, I can't remember their name right now. Scott Barnett, which is um, I keep wanting to say Darby Pop. Um, who's um producing their books right now too and everything. And then you have like IDW that came out nowhere is getting all those licenses. But yeah, you see more and more independent companies. You have mass productions. Um and I'm just going off the top of the head right now from a lot of the people who I've met through Creative Con and just Comic Con itself. It's good to see that 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 people are really pursuing it and and their companies are just, you know, flourishing. Like you're not seeing these okay, it's a one-stop shop there at this convention and then you don't see them no more. No, they're continuing to produce. Yeah, you have to. And especially since that you're not working for a major publisher, you kind of have to work twice as hard to, you know, get noticed. But yet the fact that you put in the extra work also helps out because now people are seeing that you're dedicated. Because like you said, you know, there's a lot of people who will talk up a big game and maybe won't deliver for whatever reason, but to keep doing it, especially in a business that, you know, you're not necessarily going to be rich. And, you know, you have other responsibilities, whether it be, you know, family or other jobs and so on and so forth. So the fact that you're doing all that and, you know, working in comics and, you know, cause you're, you go to, you know, tons of shows, you know, you're, you're out there, you're putting in the work. So that's not easy. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I was glad they did that panel at twins pub that to me, you need more of that for people who are and it. And it's true. I mean, the reality is this in any business, there, there are going to be a bunch of people who are going to fail. That's the sad reality of stuff, but it goes back to how deep is your passion? I mean, we can understand that there are private things and everything that happen in your life events that, you know, can prevent from stuff happening, or it just may not be your point at this time to be a major player at this time. Maybe it's just like, you know, it's just not in the cards right now, but it doesn't mean for you to give up. It means to keep pursuing it. I mean, right now, I mean, I, I look at my comic and I'm not happy with it. I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, the one thing that makes me happy about my comic is I did it. But it's behind me now. Now, what is the next project? Like, that's the type of attitude I try to have about it. And, you know, if I don't keep producing content out there and all that, it's just going to show, okay, I'm not as serious as I, I should be. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I do have a lot of personal things I do in my life and everything. Um, you know, got to pay the bills. Got to. Um, right now, I answer to boss, a big boss. <laughs> 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 hey, boss says go, go. But it's, it's like this. I want to come out with a new book. I have a lot of new content I want to do. It's it's just a matter of like giving deadlines, making sure to do it. And I even think like, you know, I'm glad Jake Parker even put out that video. Like, you know, don't wait till it's perfect. Come out with it. Like that book to, to me wasn't perfect. I sacrificed a lot of art to um, tell a story and to get the perfect camera shots. Took it to Comic-Con, got advice from Eric Larson, Jake Parker, Marcus. Um, and again, I'm just drawing out names um, from people who I met because – I got to thank all these people. It's just they took their time out to take a look at my work, give me the advice. And that's something you take with you and you will never forget. And mm -hmm. it just shows me like, you know what? I want to redo the pages for this book. I want to make it better. And that's the type of value. Hearing what, you know, Johnny's story, Johnny in New York City from the panel. And again, going back, thanking um, CreatorCon for doing that panel. It's true. You're, you're also going to invest money into this and don't expect to make a lot of money. Do it for the love of it, because at the end of the day, um, if you go in there trying to make a profit, 
my profit that I made at my first convention, which was over the summer, was 20 bucks. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I'm not afraid to share that because you know what? I want someone to hear that. I want someone to hear that. Look at that story. And if it can inspire at least one person, then I did my job, you know? And and it, and it was cool, too. Like, And it was great seeing Eric, too, when he said, listen, um, you know, don't worry about it. And I wasn't. And it was great when he gave that advice and said, you sold one book. Look, that's one more person that has your book. And that's how you have to kind of take it in this business. And eventually, it, it will come, that fandom. But... This right now, I just want to tell stories and whether I'm working with a team or working by myself, that's what I essentially want to set out to do. The truth of it is you started and were you completely satisfied with how the book came out? Not necessarily, but I mean, starting is hard because if someone told you, it's like, hey, look, um, there's this profession that you get into that may not necessarily get you a bunch of money and it may take you years before you actually you know, see any like major results in your work. And you're like, Oh, why the hell would I want to do that? You know? (laughs) But yet, so it's like a lot of people I think get psyched out. And I know I did, because like I said, when I was younger, I wanted to get into comics and, you know, I kind of talked myself out of it. Cause I'm like, I used to read all these books from, you know, major publishers and going like, I mean, look at this art and a lot of these people, you know, they go to school for it and they really went all out. And I was like, look, I mean, I draw misshapen ovals, you know, (laughs) Have you seen my joints? I don't even think I draw that great. <laughs> I think my joints suck. <laughs> <laughs> but not for nothing, no. Your characters still look like people. No, I wish I could find all my old artwork. There was no basic anatomy. Like, I couldn't draw anything hyper-realistic. That, that should be the theme for the next panel. Bring your first piece of artwork that you drew. <laughs> oh, my God. No, mine goes back. This is, I kid you not, this is sixth grade, because this is at the height of, I want to be in comics. <laughs> Oh, dude, I, I remember um, early on when I was, like, so in love with comics, like, um, as a kid, like, it was just, like, cr- um, like creating characters like crazy, which I still do now, which is fun. I remember in high school when I drew, um, this was, like, freshman year, and I can remember all the way back then, when I drew a, a chest, it was a, like, misshapen eye. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was how I drew a chest. So imagine where I go from now. And like I said, even now I look at it, I'm always going to be my own worst critic because I look at my stuff like, what? how can I be better? Because you're only as good as your last piece of work. But at the same time, like, I just want to get better. Like, I want to be a professional student in the game. Um, not really consider myself more of the professional because I feel like a professional student, you're still constantly learning, learning, learning and improving and getting better. But at the same time, you know, you, you, you do want to produce that content. And it was, like I said, a misshapen eye. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd imagine that any true professional, and I don't even mean someone who's working a steady gig. I just mean in terms of professional, somebody who carries himself a certain type of way, that any true artist, whether you're a colorist, writer, what have you, even if you were, let's say, working at Marvel at like, you know, their top selling book, if you're still not getting better, then, you know, is it worth it? I, I think some people, I don't know. I mean, I've known some people who just plateau um, in any career that I've seen. Like, I'm going to give an example of my sales job right now. And just for anybody who wants to know, yes, I work cable. I sell cable. I'm that guy you yell at on the phone. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, shoot. I really hope you haven't called here at any point. (laughs) No, no, it's a fun job. I mean, this is the thing. It pays the bills. I have fun over there. I met a bunch of great people. The company does take care of you, you know. But no, I've seen people, salespeople that do plateau. And it's just like, this is like, you know, oh, I'm the best salesperson. I'm the best salesperson. But then there are those who do great. And those are the ones who I see that are constantly learning um, in any sales profession. And that's just with the sales profession. And I think I learned more in the sales profession working for cable than I did in because um, I used to be that sales agent for Primerica too. And that's just in that profession. So it's kind of like that ethic that taught me to be a great student because I always went by the rule, each one, teach one. That was from my first supervisor um, at my job. And it's like, you know what? I want to apply this to the, my craft of what we are doing. I mean, I'm learning, taking tidbits from everybody. Like, uh, again, Comic-Con. I know a lot of people go there for the pop culture and everything, which is fun, and it, it's great. It's a great event, but that's also my event to network and meet the industry professionals and just get their advice and, and try to absorb it like a sponge. I mean, I remember um, getting advice from Buzz, which was pretty awesome, and it's true. Like 
looking at my work um at the time i was like okay i gotta play more with light sources um and that was something you know i had to play with even with eric hutch at comic Barcon, he took the time out and, and showed me the tortilla trick and that's kind of helped out with some poses and it's kind of like taking those little tidbits apply them and to build your style and that's what i've been aiming to do um same thing with writing trying to get um as much advice from people about how they build writing what did you use to this what template do you use from that like um Thomas LaPerry, he wrote the book Hale Odin, and um, dude took a little bit of time to actually review one of my scripts and um, gave me a helpful link with, um, he's like, listen, this is if you want an artist to actually draw your stuff, and I'm like, here's a, here's a script right here, this is what I kind of use as a template, which again, that helps, that's again, the community helping each other, each one's each one. Going back to that round table that, you know, again, there's a lot of people who want to get into the business, or maybe even aren't in business and want to try something different, but... You know, I feel like there needs to be more people who are willing to sort of like give people the straight dope about what's going on and not in a way that's scary. You know, you don't want to necessarily scare anybody off, but basically be like, okay, here are the steps. And like I said, going to Comic-Con, I mean, as far as let's say New York Comic-Con, I've been going for what, ever since like the first one, maybe 2006, the one at the Javits. And for years, you know, just going as a fan, you know, trying to meet people occasionally, getting something signed, but just hanging out panels. But, you know, going as networking and meeting people, it's funny how accessible people can be. Because, like I said, if you approach them and just kind of just learning, because, you know, if you don't take the time out, I mean, how are you going to know what to do? It's kind of like taking that that approach as a student. Like, you're going to college to, to learn something, right? For example, you don't know the material, but you're going to class to learn. So that this way you can get a good grade. It's the same way I kind of approach things. I mean, there's no real way to kind of approach this beast because everybody (laughs) has literally everybody has their story of how they came in the industry and how they've pursued an industry. Like, what can I say? Don't be scared. Just just go out there and do it. You produce one book. You're a comic book artist. That's it. You've produced a comic. Whether you want to stay there. It's up to you. It's just up to what you put in it. And it goes back to when we talked at the bar um, about passion. It, it It's depending on your passion. That's it. Passion is the major fuel. Beer and wings. <laughs> <laughs> Mine would probably have to be like Angry Orchard because I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, it's sad how many podcasts are fueled by beer and cider. Maybe that's not even good to admit, but... <laughs> Oh, uh, dude, you don't even want to know. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Comic book artists and gamers hand in hand. That's it. Um, creators in general. Red Bull needs to fund the art community. That's what they need to do. Who, how many people trying to meet deadlines? <laughs> right? Like so many overnights and I'm just editing a podcast. Like I'm not even actually working on comics and most of my deadlines are self-imposed. So I can't imagine what it must be like working for a company, working for yourself to be like, oh man, uh, a lot of sleepless nights, I'd imagine. The reward is this. I go to the Gun Hill Brewery and I get me a plank. And I am good. That is my reward for completing my job. <laughs> Look, I'm plugging for the Grand Hill Brewery, <laughs> which we got to go to, by the way, when you're in the Bronx, brother. <laughs> yeah, um, I think you were telling me about that, or I don't know if it was you or someone else had talked about it online. And it's funny, like, I'm in Long Island, and, like, I can't throw a rock without hitting a brewery. And I'm like, this is the best, worst thing for me, because I won't leave. It's like adult toy stores. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we used to walk a lot of those in the village. You, you can walk down the block without passing it. No, it's it's a great brewery. I mean, to me, um, yeah, like I said, we, we, we're fueling with deadlines and everything. You're right. Like with Red Bull, I've had those energy drinks like right now doing school, um, learning Maya, the project and everything, and, and just staying up. I'm like, okay, I need something to keep me up. I got to do this. Well, yeah, my reward is a nice cold beer. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine having um, a beer company um, sponsoring a comic. That would be awesome. <laughs> I would love that so much. Not for nothing. Like, I mean, I don't know who we could talk to, but that's something that's really interesting. Um, I guess that's more of into the marketing aspect of getting people involved who normally wouldn't be into comics. But yeah, it's such a widespread thing now. Like, you know, you, you couldn't help but take notice of it. But Brooklyn Brewery, I almost forgot. Brooklyn Brewery does it. The Defender every year for Comic-Con. They they sponsor a beer. I think they sponsor an artist, too, who gets picked to design the cover of the that year's hero for the, the Brooklyn Defender. And it's a good beer, too. I'm, I'm just upset that it only comes out to Comic-Con. 
<laughs> oh wait, is it only a Comic Con thing? I think it's only a Comic Con thing. But you want to know what's funny? I think they're trying to make it a main thing or something like that because I remember um, a few weeks before Comic Con, I was out in Montauk, and we were at a restaurant, and they actually had Brooklyn Defender on tap. I was like, really? <laughs> like, is this still on tap? Like, Aline and I might have to make a trip. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I mean, you, you wouldn't want to go to this restaurant, though, because the service just, like, really sucked. I don't think it's going to be open. Because <laughs> I'm like, any restaurant that had Brooklyn Defender on tap, I hope they did well. But, no, the service was just horrible. We It took us an hour to get our food. Um, to get oh, some- hell no. Yeah. But we were hungry, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've Granted, I'm impatient. I've walked out of a lot of places. And, you know, respectfully so. I'm not going to necessarily scream and kick, though. But, no, I'm sorry. Like, there's... There's in between waiting an hour because it's like it's that worth it, but I don't know. I love Brooklyn Defender, but I don't know. I don't think I'm waiting that long for for alcohol. Yeah, no, I think we got some of our bill comp when we went, but this is just you know that learning experience with going to restaurants because that's the second time I've had a bad restaurant experience in New York, let alone a restaurant in Montauk. Because um, I remember my other bad experience. I had posted it like crazy on social media. It was like a bar um, restaurant. It was like an Italian bar on 72nd street and they didn't really service and i was ready to walk out but finally i guess um when they saw that i was ready to walk out they decided to come to us and at the same time too when we finally got our food our food was like crap it was like oh my god like we really paid for this (laughs) (laughs) so so that's a lesson um i always blow up restaurants if it's a good restaurant i will not complain about it if it's a bad restaurant i will blow up So I guess this is the trick now. We're going to have to start like courting breweries and other uh, drink places to start sponsoring uh, comics and podcasts and the like. Oh, here we go. We're going to trademark this. We're all going to get a bus. We're going to go around New York, stop at breweries, comic shops, restaurants, and then podcasts. Brewery, comic shops, restaurants. There you go. <laughs> okay. Podcasting might be tough because you definitely want to do that at the start of the event, not at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> just just do it through the night, the whole night, and then you know you you'll you'll get that level that goes, Wee, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be like the lost episode. <laughs> like basically when we're all rich and famous and we're completely untouchable, then we'll post that episode. <laughs> Like, oh, God, they got me on tape. (laughs) (laughs) That would would be fun. That's like like Eric's piece right now, too, with Comic Bar Con. Um, I think they, yeah, they just announced the date, too, for Comic Bar Con um, in December, too. I want to try to definitely make it out there, too, for Comic Bar Con and just, just chill, like, not even us like get a table or anything. I just like to chill. That's it. <laughs> yeah, because um, I missed the first one. I don't know if this was the second one. I think it was in August or late July out in uh, Farmingdale. No, I actually think this is their fourth one. Oh, it's the fourth one? Oh, wow. I'm way behind. In- I'm yeah. sorry. Excuse me. I didn't realize this is the fourth one. Holy crap. Yeah, I think this is their fourth comic bar con. I think they did bar con twice last year. Then they did it once this year already, and then this is the second one because he's like everybody keeps asking when you're doing another bar con. I mean, the first one I went to was pretty pretty dope. Like they had um they had Quidditch pong. <laughs> really? Yes, Quidditch pong. Someone had set up the table. They set up the loops perfectly. Quidditch pong. They had live bands, which was pretty awesome. It's a pretty cool idea that Eric um, spun there. It's pretty cool. Um, and I'm glad I got to go to one of them, and I want to go to another one. I just think it, I think it's a good event to hang out. Create a con mixed with BarCon, like a team up, because I think it's also a great way to put a networking um, and speaking with people. Right. And at the same time, I mean, everybody's just having fun. I mean, at the same time, I think it's just I, it's just one of those ideas. I think so, because you know what it is? It's a casual setting, and I know there are people there who weren't necessarily drinkers, or even if they were just for food, but yeah, it's completely laid back, because I'm actually kind of wondering, and oh, please, anyone who's listening, don't take this as me like declaring like a war on comic cons or anything but you know comic book conventions can be tough because especially like the larger scale ones there's so many people and you know obviously you're trying to get as many of those people as possible so you don't really get a lot of intimate discussion what, what was happening to me with this comic con and happened to me before i mean there are a lot of um artists who i've met um and writers like i like that kind of um you know setting where it's outside of comic con it's a more relaxed environment because when you're in that environment, at the same time, people have to understand they're running a business. So it's like they can't really speak too much. But, you know, if they're taking that time to speak with you, 
you you gotta you know respect that time too because um like when i went to go see the guys at fat guy inc you know their, their table started getting packed customers are coming i'm like okay i'm gonna step away a little while but I'll go by, I'll say what's up and everything. And I know how, you know, you, you have a business that you do have to run and people um, are going to, you know, you don't want to be there taking up too much time and, and scaring away customers. You know what I'm saying? Right. I didn't like how someone did it at their table. One of my artist buddies was actually um, sitting in on someone's table. Uh, I just won't name him because my artist buddy, I was like, you know, I was kind of happy he was sitting at someone's table, which is cool. I've seen his journey and everything and I'm happy for this dude. You know, so what's up? And I get advice from him too every little once in a while. But I guess whoever was heading up that table, I thought I got him in trouble. And I felt bad. But at the same time, I didn't like how the guy who was running the table approached about it. Because it's like, it was just one of those things that can kind of turn fans off. As well as, you know, people who want to work with you. And I was like, little did he know I'm trying to break into the business. Like, Or let's say, for example, you have someone who's there who's like um, a publisher or something. They're going to see that and like, um, you know what? I don't want to work with this person. I, I ended up throwing the guy's card away. Then I bumped into my boy the next day. And I told him, listen, I'm sorry. You know, I hope I didn't get you in trouble at the table. He's like, no, nah, don't worry. He's like, that, that's, that's something else. Don't worry about it. Because to me, it's like, again, I know people are there to make a business. So it's kind of like I want to get advice, but... There was a lot of people at his table at the same time. I don't want to take away from the business that he can make that day, which again, that's why I like that setting that CreatorCon created and what Comic BarCon does. It's it's kind of a relaxed setting. You can actually, you know, talk shop and business. And how many um creator after concept we hung out? It's been two already, right? It's been two. You're right. It's a it's a different vibe. And yes, at the end of the day, it still is maybe a little business like because that setting hopefully is getting people together so they can work on things. But yet there's not that immediate pressure of I got to make a sale. The best advice I could give someone I was given this advice from I'm going to throw um, the artist out there too, Christopher Duckett, which um, I thank him for this advice. Um, when I saw him at WinterCon, he's another guy I've seen that, you know, has gone and he's does a lot of independent work. It's the best advice I can pass to anybody, whatever they're looking to do, doesn't matter what it is, whether it be comics and all that, take a business course. I mean, that's one of the things because networking is business, and I'm glad that's why I'm happy they're doing this. But when I was taking the business course last year, the Weibo, which is um, affiliated outside of New York, after he gave me that advice, I learned a lot about how the power of networking from them, from a person who was our teacher, who was a tax auditor. Like she handles business taxes. That's her business um, out in Harlem. And I was meeting a lot of people who were trying to start their businesses for the first time. I even met a guy there who um, was introduced to me by one of my teachers who's actually what he was doing with, with comics was actually going to schools and using it as an educational purpose where that's what his business was for comics. And he, you know, that was a business idea. That's where I got the idea of, you know, thinking about running a publication, um, getting together with a bunch of people, maybe doing something to help teach people like the fundamentals of because we do need stuff more tailored to like the comic book business because um, you have to go to outside sources to learn things right now. Right. But I would like to see more programs implemented where, yeah, it can be like a nonprofits organizations popping up where, you know, it, it's it's a tool to help artists to find the tools to help them. That's why, again, I, I keep have to go back to CreativeCon. I like what they have done with this. And and it's good that, again, like I said, I took that business class and I recommend to people, too, if, if you're having difficulty, take a business class. It doesn't have to be like, you know, a course through college and all that. It can be pretty much can be like a six month thing. And those fundamentals you will take with you to learn how to run a business for yourself. Because yeah. essentially that's what you are. You're a business. Once you produce your own work as an artist, a writer, um, letterer, you're your own business and you just have to learn how to market yourself. Any aspect of business that you want to be successful at, you have to learn these different things. Um, and I know some people always give the advice, like, you know, focus on one thing. Me, I, I know I'm focused on a lot of things because at the same time, I want to know, like, learning to be a writer, I want to know how to communicate with other writers as an artist. Learning to be a writer, I want to know how to put a script together that's easy to communicate to other artists. So I want to learn different cogs in the wheel. So at this way, if I go to someone be like, hey, listen, can you do this for me? Here's the script. Or, hey, listen, I can get your script out there. I'll draw it. So these are the things that um, I'm trying to learn. may not work for everyone, but learn um, something that's going to help you benefit you in this business. That's it at the end of the day. There is no one right way to do things. I'm always name dropping because these are people who've helped me. Jeff Marzik, again, 
Scott Barnett, Jeff Marzik, guys who did the book Dead Man's Party, um, they're now got picked up by Darby Pop. They've offered me great advice. Jeff Marzik, when he offered me advice about writing, he um, told me um, also pick up this book, which is something too. Like you know, picking up books, I always you're always going to take something from a book, even if you read a little bit from it. You're going to take something from there from that book. And he recommended me Bendis's book, Brian Michael Bendis. It was that moment that, you know, when Bendis said there is really no right way to write a comic book script. But at the same time, you know, yeah, it does come down to, um, and that's what he said, it does also come down to like how you communicate with the writer and the artist. And that's the thing, when you're communicating with your team and all that, if you're a writer, you want to communicate to your artist, have some control of the panels. And also too, as an artist, you do want to learn how to communicate with, with the writer. And that's how great books I feel are made too, when you have that awesome communication and and it's just learning your craft. You got to constantly learn, constantly, constantly learn, drill it, do it, do it out there. Um, do little small exercises and all that. If you're not learning your craft, I mean, come on, you, you learn how to drive a car by, you know, getting behind the wheel and practicing every day. And you just get better because, I'm, I mean, I can't speak for most people because you still have people that suck out there that drive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why do you have a license? <laughs> but um, I mean, it's like sports. My brother, I mean, he he's awesome at sports. I mean, he had a, you know, it was a personal issue that, you know, prevent him. But he's the type of person that if he sets his mind to something, he can do it. And he's going to keep honing his craft because now he, he too, he's in, he's in sales now. And um, he honed his craft. He, he went from um, working at Petland to um, working for Toyota um, in a sales division and he's been doing well for himself. Um, and it goes part of that. You know what? You learn your craft. Otherwise he could have been one of those mediocre dudes that just, you know, okay, I'm not going to learn this, be on the back burner. And they're just making average cash every month. He's doing a great job while he does. His boss even wants to take him, you know, help him move up the ladder with other positions. Obviously you've gotten better with, um, you know, the editing and everything with the podcasting and all that, like that doesn't happen overnight. That, takes repetition learning learning your craft reading putting this together and and it's the same thing um with going to these events networking you network with people and not only are you building relationships for future friendships it's like you know with potential guests and all that i mean that's how you build yourself those those are some of the examples like i said um, everybody has their story of how they've got there and if you're um someone who doesn't feel like you're doing well in the business or if you're someone who wants to get into business but don't know where to take steps, take the time out and talk to someone who's already, you know, either established or someone who's um has like one of these smaller companies. Go to like a convention and actually stop at one of these independent artist tables and, and you know, just talk to them. And that's how we met. I was pretty much just hanging out and you came up to me and we chatted and then it's like we built a great rapport. And obviously a lot of that was also cultivated through, you know, social media and things like that, because even though we may have not physically seen each other in a year, you know, we were still keeping a fairly regular contact. And that gets hard to it because I know like there's so many people and there's so many hours in a day, but still, you know, not everybody kind of does that. And I'm not saying it's necessary that you have to spend as much time on it, but you know, there's a, a thing to be said about keeping in contact. Oh yeah. I like what they said that too at the end, like keeping in contact with people. Um, they said, if you really haven't contacted anyone in a week, I mean, what was the whole point of doing it? You gotta keep yourself fresh in people's minds. I mean, at the same time, think about it this way, you're building friendships. Think about it that way. How do you meet your friends? You're building friendships. Um, and I know this sounds corny. I'm like an after school special right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, at the same time, I mean, you're you're building relationships with people because you never know, too. Like, this person may want to work with you on a project. Um, this person may know someone, like, maybe they may have um, too much of a workload. Like, hey, listen, I know someone who needs to work and can pass on work to you. Or, like, you never know. You, you, you may go off into another side business venture with this person. Dean's Blossom that way. Every great thing we have today began with an idea with someone networked. They met each other at an event and it had blown up. I mean, think about it. Stanley and Jack Kirby probably didn't know each other before they started working together. And look at what they've accomplished. Let's look at it that way. Just don't put my ashes in comics. <laughs> oh, man. I, I I don't know. To me, I think that's the coolest thing ever. But maybe that's because I'm morbid that way. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that. Like, hmm. 
You're like, do I want to do that? I don't know. <laughs> well, okay, maybe not all of them. Just, just, just a little bit, you know? Just like a couple of sprinkles. Just maybe sprinkles, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a conversation starter. I mean, granted, you won't be around to engage in the conversation, but someone will be talking about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like when Ozzy bit the bat's head off. Hmm, someone talked about it. It was a good idea at the time. Now you think about it, like, oh, poor bat. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but then I heard that, like, originally it was staged, but then someone swapped it with a real one. Yeah, yeah, and as the showman as he is, he kept going. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, you know what? When in Rome, do as the Romans do, bite the head off. <laughs> <laughs> Just say no. We had Adrian has issues to not endorse the biting of bats, um, not in the least bit, um, you know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't endorse it either. It's scary. I fell for the bat. That yeah. nightmare for the bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's Batman's worst nightmare, Ozzy. <laughs> Honestly, I would love to see that as a comic. I don't care who comes with the idea. Batman running away from Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just trying to bite him. And it's like, look, I've dealt with Killer Croc, Man Bat. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's fought King Shark a few times. Um, Ozzy might be my greatest foe. Come on, if they if they could do the joke as a Snickers ad with Wonder Woman, um, like um, they give her uh the the Snickers ad. Have you seen that ad? No, I haven't. Oh, God. It's one of the funniest ads I've seen. It's Batman, Superman, and Doomsday. And then Batman pulls out a Snickers and goes, here, have a Snickers. And then you see Wonder Woman all of a sudden eating a Snickers. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I would love to see them do a little side ad just with Batman. Like, oh, he has a nightmare and it's Ozzy Osbourne. It's <laughs> the one person he fears. Just like in passing when they did the joke um, with um, Joker that he's afraid of the IRS. That's like the one branch of government he won't mess with. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. That is awesome. Uh, if anybody anybody needs to look that up, it's 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 um the what was it the Batman anime series? It, it look it up on YouTube with joke. It was it's probably one funny clips. <laughs> How did I not remember that? I didn't remember it either. And so someone pointed it out. I was like, it was on a BuzzFeed list. I think I found it. And they were talking about the things. It was just things about the Joker or something like that. And that was one of the things. And I watched the clip. I was like, how did I miss that? I was like, that is just too hilarious. He messes with everybody, but is afraid of the IRS. (laughs) So this entire time, you know, Batman's been trying to put him in Arkham and keeps breaking out. So all he has to do is just like, what, not pay taxes? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It's like Joker faces his greatest enemy. It's like Batman, Robin. It's like no, an IRS auditor. You guys say in the, you guys say in the movie, guys voice like yes, the Joker takes on the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the clever lines when you catch them in movies and comics when they do that. First of all, I applaud the illustrator who can get that scene done, and I applaud the writer who thought of that scene because that is just awesome. It's just. It makes me laugh, and I'm like, wow, I love that. You can still have humor in, in, in anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, like, man. Uh, do you remember Batman Beyond? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I remember the second time re-watching it, and I caught the joke when the guy, um, it was like the, the teenage guy who was like a jerk to Terry McGinnis, the, the athlete. Yeah. When he was talking to his girlfriend. It's like, hey, you want to go for a ride? She's like, I don't want to ride your car. And he was like, who's talking about my car? What? Yes, I had to rewind it to make sure that was what he said because I had caught it the second time watching Batman Beyond. I was like, how did this get away? How did they miss this? And Holy they- shit. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I-, I applaud the writing for that. That was just, it was, and I was like, how did the census miss that? I don't know, but you know what? It got away. It was funny. And I was like, Bravo, bravo. <laughs> That's insane. Oh, man, Sebastian, thank you so much for uh, getting together and uh, chat with me. I've had so much fun, and it's like I feel like we didn't even get in half the stuff I wanted to ch- uh, chat about, but obviously that just means you'll just have to come back. Well, I mean, I, I don't mind coming back, bro. I mean, it's always fun, you know. It's 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 fun. <laughs> it's just a chat, bro. But granted, that brewery idea you had, I think that's something that could be really cool. Oh, hell yeah. Even if it's just something that, you know, out of fun that everybody just gets together to do, I think it's something that will really be fun. Like, come on. Who, who, who's going to pass up beer, comics, and um, podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. Are there wings involved? Because that also could be a deal breaker. Wings are always involved. When are wings not involved? <laughs> I don't know, because I've gone to places where there aren't wings, and I'm like, what kind of dystopia is this? <laughs> you know what? Next time, what we got to do, we got to go to the other half brewery, and then there's a good wing spot that is close by, and just end the night with wings. There you go. Oh my gosh, that sounds like... Now, the only thing is, though, I just got to make sure I have extra cab fare, because it's not even the beer that'll do me in. It's, it'll probably be the wings. Don't worry, there'll probably be a designated driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, take him home. It's like, what, does he drink too much? No, wings. Wings. <laughs> He's wings drunk. <laughs> no, I kid you not. I kid you not. Um, there used to be a bar um, a couple of towns over from where I grew up, um, and I would just be there on Sundays because I just didn't like being home. I would just knock back a bunch of beers and not even be completely fine. But then it's like you order wings, then you order another one, and of course it'd be like the half-off night or something. And I'm like... I'm, I'm heading home and I'm waddling. I was like, oh, God, I drank too much. I'm like, nope, that's not beer. That's actually, I ate too much. There was no room for beer. And I kind of was a little sad, a little depressed, a little ashamed, but at the same time kind of proud. I'm like, I found a vice that's actually worse than beer. <laughs> oh, bro, then you don't want to visit me in the Bronx. Then the, the restaurant right by me, they have wings. They have good wings. Really good wings. <laughs> <laughs> and I so, walk home. <laughs> like I said, I may have to just set up a visit one day. But um, before you go, please tell everybody where they could find your stuff online, like social networking, any other websites you wish to plug. Cool. So, everybody, you can find me on SebastianBonet.net. You can also purchase the Dead Planet book. Um, it's out there on the um, the website, Prince. Um, need me for commissions, definitely on the website. You can find me on Instagram as Sebastian Bonet Art. And you can also um, look up my Facebook page on um, Sebastian Bonet Art. Not the personal page, the Facebook page. Um, the professional <laughs> one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if anybody just wants to chit-chat, you can reach me through there. Um, and um, yeah. <laughs> Very cool, man. So that'll do it for this episode of Adrian Has Issues. And we will see you next issue. Thank you for listening to Adrian Has Issues. Please be sure to visit adrianhasissues.com to stream or download our other great episodes. Like us on Facebook at Adrian Has Issues, on Instagram at Adrian Has Issues Pod, and follow us on Twitter at Adrian Has Issues. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the Satchel Podcast app, available on iOS and Android. Adrian Has Issues is a proud member of the Nerdsloth Network, home to such great podcasts as Nerds on Tap, Cinefreak Critique, and Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom. Visit them at nerdsloth.com. <laughs>